We are ready for episode 17 of SPCA Tampa Bay's Animal Tales podcast with me, Eric Keaton. What are we going to do? We're going to look back at all previous 16 episodes, just in case you missed one. We're going to talk about all of them, recap in 2023, right now. And here we go, the final episode, episode 17 of SPCA Tampa Bay's Animal Tales podcast with me, Eric Eaton. Hope you have been watching on YouTube and on your favorite podcast provider, listening on Spotify or Apple or even iHeartMedia. What we're going to do during this program is take a look back at all the highlights we had for the previous 16 episodes. And episode number one was how to travel with your pet. Thank goodness I did not travel with Samuel L. Jackson because he had snakes on a plane. And just like Indiana Jones, I'm afraid of snakes. So we had our CEO, Martha Bowden of SBCA Tampa Bay, talking about how to travel with your pet dog or cat. Definitely have a plan. And you mentioned taking your pets in an RV. So I'm in a car, I'm in a plane. What type of carriers? All that is very important, correct? It is. It is. Thinking about your pet's comfort is really important when you're traveling because, again, there's a lot of unfamiliar stuff happening around them. So giving them a space that is safe, um, that can keep them safe also, is is really critical. Um, Depending on what uh, kind of vehicle you are traveling in, there may be some rules around what you can carry. Um, certainly in an airplane, if you're thinking about bringing the pet in the cabin with you, it's, there are certain size constraints and it can be different by plane. So even though an airline might say, oh, this is our size of carrier that will work on this plane or in our airline, it doesn't always work with every plane. So it's worth it to find out what plane you think you're going to be traveling on and understand a bit more about those specifics. Um, certainly after a certain size, the animal has to go in cargo, um, which can be a good experience. But again, the carrier matters. They have all kinds of rules around how that works. Um, And you need to talk to the airline and understand what kind of space expectations they have because they're going to want, for example, your pet to be able to stand up normally with its head at normal height. They can't stand in the carrier like this. They have to be able to stand up. So it may be taller than a carrier you might have at home. So understand what what the airline, for example, might require. Trains and boats also have um, particular requirements. So that, that would be essential to understand. Episode two, we talked about our community outreach, specifically our food bank service. Did you know that SPCA Tampa Bay every Tuesday opens up our food bank to the community? We have hundreds of people that come here throughout the year that need dog and cat food for their home pet. But we also partner with Pasadena Community Church. And there to talk about it for episode two was Emily Bernhardt Kane. If I am somebody who needs this uh, food bank, Pebbles Food Bank service, do I have to like prove where I live, my driver's license, anything that I need? So no, actually it's 
just kind of a walk-in basis. So you come in and you say, um, hey, this is my name and I am in need of this type of food and we will help you out as best we can. So um, just keep in mind though that it is donation-based. So we're only able to give about a week's worth of food at a time based on availability. So sometimes we're a little bit low on food. Sometimes we have a ton of food. So it kind of varies week to week based on what we can provide. Thank you, Emily. And remember, go to our website, spcatampabay.org, and you can check out our locations. The food bank for the community is open every Tuesday in the afternoon. Episode three here on the Animal Tales podcast, we were on location at the Rays Fan Fest in February. We had a great time out there with three of the baseball players. Unfortunately for the Rays, they were two and done during the playoffs. At least they lost to the Texas Rangers who went on to win the World Series. But let me tell you, the guys loved having some of our shelter pets at the ballpark. What do you think of these puppies that we have out here? You're drawing quite the crowd. Yeah, I'm, I'm a soft dude when it comes to dogs. I have, uh, I have two of them at home myself. So I have a 12-year-old golden retriever and then a uh, three-and-a-half-year-old uh, mini golden doodle. What makes your dogs special? I mean, everything. I mean, they're a companion. You know, it's like it's like I tell everybody, you know, like like our oldest one's having a little bit of a health issue right now. It's like he's like a kid. He's not he's not a dog. So, I mean, I mean, everybody that knows me knows that they're, they're humans. They're not animals. So, um, I mean, they're, they're spectacular to also be able to have them in season with us as well. Share with us any pets or animals that you've had in your lifetime, because definitely Bo is, is loving you. Oh, um, I think Bo knows that I haven't had any pets in my life. Um, my brother was allergic growing up. Um, I believe when we were very little, uh, we had a cat in the house, but I think the cat clawed one of us and my parents said no more. Um, but we found out when we were younger that my brother was allergic to everything. Um, and so we haven't been able to have a pet, but I love me some Boa right here. Ended up, my neighbor had uh, a litter and I just took one home didn't tell my parents and ended up having to return them later on but uh, i did what i could and i have a dog now and i love that dog to death uh, tell us a little bit about your dog her name's collie she is four at this point she can turn five this year which is gonna break my heart seeing her get older but uh 25 pounds of just pure love and she will lick your face until she drops and uh or play fetch. Those are her two things she will do for hours. Episode cuatro, number four, was about our wildlife department. So how many times am I out in the community and somebody will say, you know, I meet him for the first time. Eric, what do you do? I'm a chief marketing officer for SBCA Tampa Bay. Oh, I love what you do for dogs and cats. And then I break out the whole wildlife about what we do to serve the community and the wildlife to get them back out into nature. And they're like, what? How do you guys do that? Tell me more about that program. That's why we have Ashley San Antonio on episode four to talk about our wildlife department. So Ashley, when you're out in the public and eventually somebody asks you, what do you do for a living? You're like SBCA Tampa Bay and they're always like, oh, or it's a volunteer maybe, cats and dogs. And you're like, well, we also nurture baby wildlife and get them back out into the wild. What's their reaction? Because I know for most people that I talk to, they're like, really? 
wildlife? Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't think I've come across a single person that when I mentioned we rehab wildlife here, that they knew that already. No one, no one realizes that we have a rehab program or how much goes into rehab. So most rehabbers are out of their garage. They have a full-time job and they're doing this on the side to help, help, you know, with conservation, rehab, all of that. And so, you know, I tell them years ago, we were doing transport. We were doing rescue. We were picking up the animals and bringing them to places that can take care of them. And then we were like, hey, how can we help the community the most when these rehabbers retire? Because there's only so many large organizations mm-hmm. that actually rehab. And so that's when we were like, okay, let's limit the transport. Let's start with some species and let's start rehabbing here. And we asked around what species could these organizations that do work with them, what can we help the most with? And that's when they gave us a list and was like, if you do any of these, you are taking a load off of our back that you are helping us so much by doing this. So so when you look at SBCA Tampa Bay and the wildlife program, I've been here since 2019. How much has the intake gone up and down? Because we've had mm-hmm. COVID, we've had hurricanes, right. we've had people, you know, obviously staying at home after the height of the COVID pandemic and finding all these little creatures, how much has it gone up and down? Um, It stayed pretty steady, surprisingly. You know, during COVID, people were doing more things outside, so they were finding more animals. During hurricane, we have a huge influx of squirrels because that's during our squirrel baby season. All those trees are knocking the flying squirrels and the squirrels out of the trees. But um, we've seen a a very steady, even even through the pandemic and everything, of keeping the same amount of animals coming in. We've seen maybe decreases in certain species, but we don't really know why. But for the most part, we've stayed very consistent, very busy. Episode number five, we moved into talking about our annual pet walk celebration. And you know, here on the Animal Tales podcast, we like to show our age. How do we do that? Sometimes we roll in different movie clips, you know, probably more from Generation X. And when we were on location at the OCC Roadhouse, I thought, Roadhouse, right? Patrick Swayze. But we really couldn't think of any clips because that's a really it's Roadhouse. So if we think of one now, you're going to see it. If not, you'll just see a white flash and we'll go right into a recap of episode five from the OCC Roadhouse. Right boot. Got it. Sorry, we're closed. Well, what are all these people doing here? Drinking and having a good time. Well, that's why we're here. We're so glad to be here on April 15th. And for folks who have not been to the OCC Roadhouse and Museum, you can probably glance behind me and see that big billboard. What can your fans and folks that uh, attend OCC right. Roadhouse Museum expect when they come here besides great food and a great venue? <laughs> well, we appreciate that selfish plug. Um, so I believe we're probably the largest pet-friendly venue in all the Tampa Bay market. Um, we're in a 25,000 square foot entertainment venue here. We do all kinds of events here, something going on every single day. Um, we serve breakfast on weekends, which of course this will be on a Saturday, so you can get a great breakfast here. Lunch and dinner every single day. We have events going on pretty much every night. Um, Monday we have the largest cornhole tournament in Florida, Tuesday's family night with karaoke, Wednesday's country line dancing with free lessons and truck night, 
Thursday is bike night and the weekends are filled with concerts and all kinds of uh, great entertainment that's going on with bands. So um, most of our customers here have pets and they love bringing them here. That's and right. so we've become sort of known and, and uh, gotten a reputation for being a very pet friendly uh, organization and a, and a venue because you know people just love bringing their animals here and you see all kinds of crazy things here from skunks to <laughs> parrots to parakeets to we've had a few cats here dogs galore uh, and we love having them here so I think it's the perfect venue to host the first uh, partnership of ours it's the second uh, location I understand uh, but we're really honored to be that second location and part of the group. In episode six, we continued our conversation about our pet walk, and we did that with our chief philanthropy officer, Carolyn Wisniewski. We also had an opportunity to talk with one of our sponsors, Natalie Connor, from Love My Dogs Resort, and how much she loves dogs, and how much she loves animals, and to help them in this community. Love My Dog is a dog resort, and we have three different locations, and Love My Dog is focused on supplying a great time playing water park boarding grooming um limousine service for all the dogs and we're we're focused really on providing a safe atmosphere for the dogs to play we really handle all the breeds uh the trick of it is that we have to temperament test and we have to make sure that your dog is fitting in nicely with the right play group and that's why we have so many different types and styles of play group we have seniors, we have littles, we have puppies, we have the bigger dogs, and we try to fit your dog into that right play group. So it takes a lot to, to run this machine here. Right now we employ uh, 75 people throughout the Love My Dog organization. We'll add another 20 once we open up Mutts and Martinis, and it requires a lot of special types of people. They have to be great with dogs, they have to be organized, they have to know dog behavior, all those things like that. Mutts and Martinis was a, a brainchild of mine because all of our customers want to bring their dogs everywhere. So we are, I, I am building a place that's uh, more of an upscale place and it's going to be built on safety. We'll have uh, places for the dogs, small dogs, little dogs. We'll have some of that separation there. Uh, we'll have a huge water park driving down Central Avenue and um, we're really there to provide a great, safe environment. And by the way, as an adult, come and have a cocktail with us. So we're excited about that. The Diamond Dog Program was something that uh, your CEO, uh, Martha Bowden, and myself, we came together and we said, we felt like the senior dogs were kind of the dogs that were always looked over. So we love my dog is providing additional screening and additional blood work to ensure that the person who adopts a diamond dog or a diamond in the rough, which is a senior dog, seven years or older, has a good, healthy dog that still has been, uh, a, that will fit a family in the best way. The Paws of Wisdom is a, um, you know, we're trying to do that to educate the community. And there's so many topics that come up in doggy world. Uh, everything from allergies to uh, heat, heat exposure, to how to handle those, to um, uh, injuries and things of that nature. So what we're trying to do is use your advice and your extreme, um, your, your vet advice and your doctor over there that's perfect. And we're trying to bring in our people and say, hey, these are some of the questions that we keep getting over and over and let's address those and, and provide some education. There is no other organization out there that provides support to the community, that 
has a joy for all the animals, dogs, cats, everything, and that it is, it is a true, genuine place, SPCA, that they care about the animals, they want us to help out. It takes a lot to run that organization, and Pet Walk is just a way to help support that. Number seven, episode seven, kind of like episode 16 that we just had talking about volunteers, except it was with the first Colleen because in episode 16, we have the new Colleen. But regardless, it's all about volunteering and how you can help here at SPCA Tampa Bay. The last one we have on here currently is the wildlife patient care and cage cleaning baby orphans. I know uh, a couple of members of our team have volunteered their time mm -hmm. to go do that because that that is fun. Yeah, it's wildlife. It is, and you don't have to have wildlife experience to do that. Um, a lot of people are like, "Oh, I've never, I don't, I've never done that before." But I volunteered with the wildlife um, when we had the hurricane, had to evacuate the squirrels, the little baby, all the mm -hmm. orphan squirrels. Took them in. I'm like, "I've never touched a squirrel in my life. Teach me how." And they train you on how to do it, how to feed them, write down the observations. So that's a really popular role, especially with students who are going into the animal welfare field, yeah. but maybe haven't had any hands-on wildlife experience. Episode number eight was about our foster program, and it's similar to the wildlife program. Very important. I mean, all of our programs here at SPCA Tampa Bay are important, but it's probably one of a handful that often gets overlooked because a lot of the fostering volunteers are behind the scenes. A lot of the animals they take care, for, take care of are definitely behind the scenes. So when we had our conversation with Hunter Leonard, the foster manager, wouldn't you know it, the animals took over. We talked about volunteering with Colleen in the last episode. A big portion of volunteering is being a foster parent, I guess you could say. Yeah. So what qualifies you to be a foster? Um, so we do require that every foster parent be at least 18 years old. Um, reliable transportation, that's for our biweekly appointments. So they have to come in, make sure everyone's up to date on uh, vaccines, dewormers, um, flea and tick preventative, um, then we have to wait till they're a certain age. Um, after that point though, then the other thing is just the time, time to take care of them in the home, um, provide meds if they need it. No chewing on that cord, little one. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise you'll be in another kitten video. <laughs> but yeah, um, those are our three major things that we require for foster parents. So obviously the people have to love animals. What type um, of animals are we talking about? Only kittens and dogs, puppies, no, or what are we so talking about? We pretty much send out anything that needs some time outside of the shelter. Um, the majority of what I work with are the kittens, puppies, rabbits, um, all of them trying to gain weight to get ready for surgery. Maybe we have an older dog with medical needs who needs to go out and recover before going through our adoption process. Um, we do reptiles, birds, that one, those are more uncommon, but um, still do send them out if they need it. Let's talk about our transfer program. That was episode number nine with Caitlin Coley. The transfer program is an integral part of what we do every day, locally with Pinellas County Animal Services, and then it can reach as far as during hurricane uh, preparedness with SPCA Louisiana or from Houston or from one of our transfer partners up in Georgia or in the Panhandle. Bottom line, more than 1,400 animals every year are transferred into SPCA Tampa Bay, and our mission then is to help them find a new home. Let's go back to 2017. Yeah. I know uh, you were not in this role, but share with us uh, 
these are the transfers that most folks, because the media gravitates, you know, toward our organization, especially when we have transfers in uh, during hurricanes. Absolutely. Uh, so that year we had Irma and Maria, two very different transfers that were happening with our organization. Yeah. Um, so Irma came in 2017. Um, I was very new to the organization, and I remember us. We had um, we were able to transfer out all of our adoptable dogs, so the anyone who was on our adoption floor ready to go, um, they went up to St. Hubert's um, in welfare in New Jersey. Um, so that was um, very interesting and me and any of our other staff at the time were not used to our animals leaving. Yeah, because Irma was coming, did yes. uh, come to the Tampa Bay area, yeah, we much were, like Ian went to absolutely. South last year. Yeah, we were out of power. I mean, we were, in hindsight, we did everything right. Like our, you know, our current person who was handling the transfer and rescue, like absolutely made the right call and needing to get those animals out. Our shelter was still standing, everything like that. We didn't experience too much damage, but we were out of power for, I think, about a week, mm-hmm. which... In big picture, that's not too bad, but yeah. Irma was devastating. Not as devastating as Ian, absolutely but still without power and essential. Yeah, resources. I mean, we still had to come in every morning. Anyone who could safely make it to the shelter mm-hmm. came in to clean and you know get the animals walked, fed, whatever we could safely do. So um, I was fortunate that my path to the shelter was a safe one. So I came in, I think, every day during that like period while we were out of power and everything. I think we had sent some of our cats out too, um, so we were able to do a deep clean of feline friends once. That that was emptied out. It was a clear the shelter event <laughs> without clearing the shelter. Absolutely. <laughs> and then um, Maria came in um, just a couple months later, and that was something that I don't think we've done since, but we had the opportunity. I can't remember the exact organization, but they had organized essentially where they were bringing owned animals from Puerto Rico to our shelter here, and we housed them in our training room, and we were able to hold them for a certain amount of time um, until their owners could come back over and... Um, that was really, I mean, it was emotional. I remember, like, everyone, um, we had a couple staff members who, like, were speaking Spanish, like, really trying to, oh, com- yeah. like, yeah. you know, connect with the people. Um, and just to kind of, the idea was to get everyone safely back together. And yeah. it, it did. It was absolutely incredible. And that's who we are as an organization. You can't have a podcast without talking about veterinary medicine. And here at SPCA Tampa Bay, a lot of times the public puts it all into one bucket, and it's not into one bucket. In one hand here, you have Dr. Sharon Pindar, who helps run the shelter operations for our pets that come in via transfer, even wildlife, owner surrender. And then on the other hand, you have the veterinary center, where you have somebody like Dr. Rizal Lopez, who helps animals that are owned by the community for spay and neuter or their general wellness. And that's what episodes 10 and 11 focused on, the difference between shelter medicine and the veterinary center medicine and how they both serve the community. But you also recently um, have been involved with the community. Talk a little bit about that mentorship program that you're involved in because I saw the pictures, yet to see the, the video, Probably Matt's going to roll in in some video. That is an incredible event that just happened uh, prior to summer at Raymond James Stadium. Could you share that with us? Yes, uh, it was really an awesome opportunity. Um, It was the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation. Um, They reached out to us. Um, They put on a fashion show every year as a part of their um, annual fundraiser to raise money for pediatric cancer research. 
And um, as a part of the fashion show, they also sponsor children um, with cancer and they ask them uh, what they want to be when they grow up. And uh, then they try to find role models from the community to be in the fashion show with them um, and they can to dress up as what they want to be when they grow up. Uh, it was such a cool event. Um, you know, as you can imagine, with children ranging from two to 18, um, we had, you know, some role models that were ballerinas and uh, <laughs> we had there were hockey players. Uh, yeah. There were um, guys from the, the Tampa Bay Lightning there. Um, it was really cool. Um, our little girl, her name was Kyla. Um, she wanted to be a vet. And she uh, also, uh, in addition to requesting to, to meet some veterinarians, also requested that they bring their dogs. Um, and so my husband and I brought our two dogs, um, one of which was six months old at the time. So uh, kind of a wild card. I wasn't sure how he was going to be, but he was great. Um, and the kids just loved the dogs. Um, it was a really incredible uh, emotional event, but it was really mm -hmm. great to be a part of it. How many uh, off the top of your head do you uh, think kids were there being mentored? Does it look looked like a fashion runway? It I was, mean, it was, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, I want to say it was maybe like 20 to 25 kids. Um, but, you know, they were all there with their families and other supporters. And, you know, each one of them, they, you know, had like a posse. And, you know, there was they had actual models there. It was it was mm -hmm. like a whole very well put on, well organized event. I'm sure they met their their fundraising uh goal. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And what is the number you are closing in on right now for the number of spay-neuter surgeries? So uh, probably by the end of this year, I will pass 25,000 spay-neuter surgeries. Wow. Yeah, I'm just a little maybe, over 20. Maybe look at your camera at 25,000. 25. <laughs> <laughs> that is an unbelievable number. And if I compared that to a baseball player getting 3,000 hits, are you closing in on the, the 3,000 hit? Is 25,000 <laughs> surgeries close to the 3,000 for a Hall of Famer? Well, it I mean, that seems like that's it, a lot. Yeah, it, it feels good. Yeah. Uh, and it represents several years of, of ticking away at this. I think for perspective, so I was in private practice, like I said, for mm -hmm. about 12 years. And um, we do spay-neuter surgeries, but um, the typical private practitioner only does surgical procedures one day a week and they see appointments the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I joined the shelter, the very first year that we really that I joined, I immediately had to get up to speed on how to do high volume, high quality type surgeries. Um, and I looked back to, to kind of figure out you know, how many of surgeries had I done in the 12 years I was in private practice? And as a rough number, I came up with about a thousand animals that I had probably done in 12 years. Uh -huh. The first year in the shelter, I did over 3,000 surgeries. <laughs> And it was a challenge. I, Martha, yeah, Martha used to come down those first few months that I joined, and she'd see me. My hands were cramping. I was exhausted after, you know, because we'll do surgery sessions for four or five hours straight. Mm -hmm. um, and 20 to 30 surgeries, potentially, at the, here at the shelter. Right. Um, so it was uh, it was it was challenging, but um, yeah, coming up on twenty five thousand mm -hmm. and just it's a kind of a cool number. Uh, and I think about uh, for local perspective, uh, something like Amelie Arena, the yeah the, yeah. the seating in there is just around twenty one thousand. That's right. I that up too long. So you know, if you look, if you go to a concert at Amelie and you look around, 
I've done more than the population mm -hmm. or the capacity of that stadium yeah. already, and I'm, and I'm closing in on that 25,000. Yeah. So it feels pretty cool. So like the Tampa Bay Lightning, he's bringing the thunder and the lightning, <laughs> the spay and the neuter. Are you absolutely obsessed with dogs? Then you've barked up the right tree. This is a book by Moira Donahue for National Geographic Kids. It's called Can't Get Enough Dog Stuff. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening, it would make a great stocking stuffer. Or if it's after the holidays, it would be a great birthday gift. But we talked to Moira during episode number 12, and it was about her newest book called Happy Feet. So here's a little bit of that interview. And you've authored a number of books, also a lot of animal books. Please share some of those, including the one that you gave me. Okay, a lot of animal books. Um, I've done a lot of books for National Geographic and Scholastic about all different animals because I love animals, but my passion is dogs. And um, when I was asked to do Can't Get Enough Dog Stuff, last, it came out last spring in April um, for National Geographic, that was... I, I would have done it without them even paying me because it was so much fun to write. I co-wrote it with Stephanie Gibault up in Canada. We had the best time writing it. And, um, I, you know, there's just, there, there's not enough stuff you can say about dogs, really. Yeah. <laughs> what is the theme of that book and who may want to read it? Okay, anyone who likes dogs has to read it. <laughs> and the, it's, um, it doesn't really have a theme. It's just a lot of information. There are articles, you know, sort of scientific-based articles. There are jokes. We, I confess they're not that funny, but I'm not really good at writing jokes I've learned. Um, but there's lots and lots and lots of facts, lots of information about, you know, different breeds of dogs and a lot of information about dogs that need homes. Oh, and that's definitely and that's, what we're interested in at SPCA yes, Tampa Bay. Yes. Now we get to the only episode that was supposed to be live during the course of 2023, and that would be the ill-fated episode 13 which was followed by number 14. But if you didn't see the ill-fated 13, you probably didn't understand number 14, which was all about our Clear the Shelters event, an adoption event where all of the animals are up for adoption with zero adoption fees. Let me tell you, I was having a great time for episode 13. Unfortunately, nobody could hear me unless you had the volume turned up to, I don't know, 200 and you had the best earpods or airpods that money could buy. So we had to basically have episode 13, scratch that and redo it again for episode 14. So again, if you didn't see 13, you probably didn't get why we rolled in Apollo 13 as our, you know, fun movie clip for episode 14, but here we go. Hey, we've got a problem here. What did you do? Nothing. I stirred the tanks. Whoa. Hey. SPCA Tampa Bay here at our floral uh, show. This is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. And sometimes, you know, when we make this podcast, I mean, obviously, I've been doing these lead-ins probably about three or four until I get it right because that's just how it happens. And sometimes when we have audio or video mishaps, sometimes those things happen. Okay, on to episode 15. Oh, love episode 15, because what you saw was not what we did right in here, you know? Episode 15 was probably, well, Matt, would you say we buzzed the tower? Sorry, Goose. 
but it's time to bust the tower. We buzzed the tower. Let's take a look back at what episode 15 called Top Dog, how we, once again, liberty, creative liberty of taking a Generation X movie clip and trying to tie it in with the story we're trying to tell and the conversation we're trying to have with our audience for episode 15. On this episode, we are debuting SPCA Tampa Bay's new pilot program. Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. It's not that type of pilot program, but I will be your captain. Matt, play our theme music. Not that one. Our Animal Tales theme music. All right, episode 16. We just had it. If you missed it, it was about the second Colleen 2. We could have named that volunteering the sequel, but we didn't. Folks, I hope you enjoyed our Animal Tales podcast. We're looking forward to 2024. It's going to be a great one. Just to give you some barking news, Pet Walk is scheduled for the first weekend of April. And our day of giving, once again, will be in November. Matt, do I have anything else? I think that's, bring it on home, Eric. I think we're good to go. We're bringing it on home. Folks, if you have a story idea, then please send it to ekeaton at spcatampabay.org. If you have a comment, then please, you can send it there as well. Or if I'm allowing comments on some of our YouTube episodes, then you can you know, apply a comment there and we will read them. Which, by the way, I don't want to ramble on, but in episode one, we did have a viewer watch that YouTube podcast and say, Eric, this has nothing to do, your title, with traveling uh, on a plane with a snake. And I'm like, you are exactly right. That was just the title, so you'd watch the clip. But we did change it. So we do listen to our YouTube audience. Subscribe or go to your favorite podcast provider and subscribe there as well. Because remember, when you do that, the more subscribers we have, it drives some of that revenue back to SPCA Tampa Bay. And what does that revenue do? It helps the animals in our care. Have a great one, everybody. We'll see you in 2024.